This episode is brought to you in part by Richmond Graduate University. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly. Richmond Graduate University can equip you to become a licensed professional counselor, integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmont.edu. Welcome to the Crafting Character Podcast. Steve Carter here, and in association with my good friends at Preaching Today, Christianity Today, if you didn't know, this is a really exciting time because the Crafting Character Podcast is becoming like the flagship podcast of, of Preaching Today, part of the Christianity Today Network, which I'm really excited about. Also, our good friends at The Ascent Leader, who is just doing some amazing year-long cohorts. For any of you who are in a senior leadership position, maybe you've just been handed a baton of leadership, and and you just need some other pastors to walk alongside you, um, because a lot of times, a lot of the attention is on the, on the person who is leaving the position. Now you've just been handed the role, and you're like, what am I going to do now? We have some amazing mentors and coaches. And also, for any of you who are senior pastors or teaching pastors, we have this amazing communicators uh, cohort that I just think the world of, the faculty that we have, the conversations that we're having. I mean, it is amazing. You can go to theascentleader.org to learn more. And then our good friends at Food for the Hungry and CDF Capital. Seriously, I feel so, so blessed. But today... We are going to wrap up 2021, and I, I always try to think about when you're going into a new year, what's something that can be a little bit, I don't know how to say it, maybe um, pastoral, maybe a little bit of like setting the vision um, for what I hope 2022 um, can be, and for me, I, I, over the last like month, just kind of in preparation for this new year, I've been trying to think like, what, what do I want 2022 to be about? And for me, it has been about personal discipleship, um, being a Talmudim again of Jesus. And I have been um, reminded, um, renewed. I have been looking for resources that are going to help me in my pursuit to become more like Christ. And I've not done this before, um, but I'm going to have a repeat guest on the Crafting Character podcast. Um, He's someone that I have known um, for many, many years, someone who I think the world of. Um, But I, I I could say a lot about this. This man, uh, Mark Moore, he's a, he's a teaching pastor at an amazing church here in the greater Phoenix area called uh, CCV. Uh, he was a New Testament kind of scholar, professor at Ozark Christian College for many, many years. And that's when I got to know him. When, and if you listen to our, our other podcast, I, I was honest about how I got this bootleg copy of his Acts course and just just inhaled it. I would just listen to it because I love the way he thinks. I love the energy. I love the purpose, but I love how he makes me want to be more like Jesus. And so um, recently he just released a book called Quest 52. And I'm going to let him talk about it in a moment, but this whole book is about a quest for 52 weeks to go on a journey to know Christ more. 
more deeper, more personally, with more power to understand his preaching. I mean, this book, I'm already started it. And I'm like, this is going to be with me all of 2022. And so without further ado, I'd love to introduce you all to my good friend, someone who is a coach for us in our craft and character cohorts. He's an amazing preacher, pastor, friend, author, mentor. Mark Moore, thank you for joining us again. Hey, man, thanks. And, and before we talk about the book, I, I do just want to thank you for letting me be one of the coaches for craft and character. I, I, I've really been stunned at the nine guys we have, how, how closely connected they are. And like every Sunday, it's not me, they're generating texts to one another. They're celebrating a birth of, of, a, of a child of one of the pastors. They're weeping with another guy who may be in transition. Uh, our, our last meeting is going to be in February. And it is really kind of like we finished the year together. And it, it's, it's kind of sad. But one of, the, one of the guys from North Carolina said, hey, if I fly into Phoenix, because I'm going to drive out to the uh, San Diego area, he said, if I, if I flew in, could I drive out with you? Because I just want some more face time. These guys are hungry to learn and hungry to be together. So for me, it's, I got to pinch myself that you're even letting me be a part of it, Steve. So thank you. Man, I'll tell you, like the, the guys love you. And I mean, just the chance anybody to have um, moments to glean wisdom, to ask questions, to, to see how you approach a text. Uh, it's, it's, it's just remarkable, the stories and the formation that is happening. Um, one of my favorite things about you, Mark, is when we, when we talk and, you know, um, I always wish I had more time with you. I wish like I, like it was like every, you know, Tuesday at 6.30 a.m. We were like playing golf or hiking or coffee. But every time I talk with you, you know, I'll ask you, I'm like, hey, what are you up to? And, you know, most recently we were talking and you're like, I decided just in the last like two hours to study every time the word euangelion is used in the New Testament. And you went through this entire, like, in like four minutes, you condensed two, three hours of research down to four minutes. And um, I'm like, this is unbelievable. I always walk away like learning something from you. And then you're like, Steve, what, did, what, did, what are you doing? And I'm like, uh, I'm about to go see the, the new Spider-Man movie. And you're like, Really? Wow. Okay. No, that's, like, that's sacred too. That's, 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 no, no. But so, so real quick, let's jump in there because I just like, I, I want people to know how your brain works before we jump into Quest 52 because it's an amazing resource. It's an amazing book. I want everyone yeah. to get it. But like, talk about what, if you don't mind, because I love this. <clears throat> it came out of a study. It's going to be the first sermon of uh, 2022 at CCV. So you know, I, I, I've read the New Testament a, a bunch. I'm, you're right. I've done the kind of the scholarly thing. What's interesting, Steve, sidebar is I don't, I, well, I know I'm not close to the best scholar in the world, but I know who they are. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not close to the best preacher in the world, but I know who they are. And, but I am a unique combination of the two. So this is what you just said is probably the greatest compliment you can give me that I take I want to take depths of biblical research and put the cookies on the bottom shelf so guys out in the field don't have to do that grueling labor. Like, let me do the heavy lifting, and you just love your church. So that's that really is a summary of Quest 52 
just the structure of it. But euangelion, as you know, is, is two words, you and angel or messenger. You meaning good. Uh, so it's a good message. What most people don't know is that it originally was a political term. And whenever someone came into town going, I've got good news, I've got good news, I've got euangelion, it was a courier either for a general or for the emperor. A general who had just won a war or an emperor who had just had a baby or just got married. And it was all about the empire going on. Here's what's interesting. I don't know if I shared this with you. Whenever you have good news, and if you look it up in the Septuagint, that the, the Hebrew word for good news, half the time it's good news, half the time it's actually bad news. Because if good news is political, there's always winners, there's always losers. Right. When you come to the New Testament, the first person in history to ever use euangelion as, as kind of a Christian term was Mark. And he used it in the very first verse, the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, that is his political title, Jesus the Christ, that is Hebrew for king, and son of God, that is a Roman term for emperor. So talk about abrasive, this, this, this young John Mark. And I don't know why he abandoned the missionary journey in chapter 13, 14 of Acts. Paul was ticked at him, but it's like the dude's got chops. Peter takes him under his wing, goes to Rome, and in the midst of the Roman capital, he says, hey, y'all, I know that you worship the good news of the emperor, but we've got better news. And what's cool, is, well, a couple of cool things. The Romans typically used good news in the plural. Good newses. Christians only used it in the singular. Because once you get to the good news of Jesus, there is no other good news. And part of why we want to start 2022 with good news is, I can't promise COVID is going away. I can't promise that you're in midterms, your people are going to get elected. I can't promise that you're going to have personal health or wealth. What I can promise you is, that there's good news. And here's what is super, I can't wait to share this with our church. When I compared uh, how Matthew and Mark lose, use good news with Luke, Matthew, it's all, it's all nouns, except one, there's one verb. Like the good news is, is a thing that you receive. For Luke, it's all verbs, except for two nouns in the middle of the book of Acts. For Luke, because he was an outsider, a Gentile, he doesn't receive good news unless someone takes action. Come on. And so for all of you preachers out there listening, tell your people to take action. Otherwise, the only people who receive good news are insiders. It takes action to take it to the outsiders. See what I'm talking about, friends? Like this is, this is literally what happens. Just in one verse, like, don't you just want to read the book of Mark and just like, just from like the first chapter, first verse, you're like, oh my goodness, the political empire, just the, the, how subversive it is. I mean, this is what uh, Mark Moore does on the regular when we talk and on the regular when he preaches. Uh, but uh, let's jump to quest 52 because again, this is just what you do. Um, you take the deep and make it so wildly accessible. Um, and I love, again, just how you structured this book. Uh, can you talk about, hey, what was really the, the genesis for the why behind it? And then talk about those kind of four P words that are the anchor structure points for it. 
Yeah. So obviously there's uh, core 52, which goes through the 52 mountain peaks of all the Bible. This time I wanted to focus in just on Jesus because honestly, he is the core of scripture. And in core 52, we keep pointing Jesus, pointing Jesus, pointing Jesus. That along with the fact of what we've been through in the last 24 months, hardest leadership season in the church in our lifetimes. But what I've noticed with all of the division uh, politically and socially and economically, there is only one organization in the ancient Roman world, one only, that bridged the gap between male and female, rich and poor, slave and free, Jew and Gentile. And it's still doing it today. The Church of Jesus Christ, I know there have been seasons where we have not been particularly good, for example, with racism or with sexism. But on the whole, you cannot point to a person that's done more for women's liberation or more for reaching out to the, for the outcast or more for the sick or more for the homeless or more for the immigrant. Like everyone who is disenfranchised and everyone who is divided, only Jesus is a figure towering enough to unify us with our differences. And so rather than focusing on what divides us, I, I think we're at a place in our, at least in our American history, where we need to focus on what unites us. And I haven't seen anything, n- nothing on the horizon that will unite us other than the name of Jesus Christ. So isn't it about time that we focus in on the one who brings all of us together? Now, the other, the other part behind the book, Steve, is Chasing after Jesus has been my life quest. I've taught other New Testament books, but the life of Christ has been my bread and butter. Gosh, since I started teaching in college, I feel like after all the books I've read and all the studies, all the trips to Israel, I feel like the, the disciples in the boat during the storm, when like Jesus is asleep in the back of the boat, waves are crashing in and they're bailing out the boat. They wake him up. And they, they don't expect a miracle. So I don't know exactly why they woke him up, but if it wasn't to bail out the boat, I have no clue. Now think about this. We're still doing this today. We're, we get in trouble. We're in a storm and we go, Jesus, wake up because you got to bail out the boat. No, he stands up and calms the storm. And then they huddle in the front of the book, that whole series of stories from the garrison demoniac to the woman with the issue of blood to Jairus' daughter, the key word in all those stories is fear. And it starts with fear of a storm. And as soon as he calms the storm, they fear him. And they get in the front of the boat and they go, who is this man that even the winds and the waves obey him? On the regular, that's my life story. I chase after him. I want to know him. And he continues to surprise me both with his grace and with his unrelenting expectations. So I wanted, I wanted to put in perspective the life of Jesus in a way that's accessible because I know that everyone doesn't have the time or the, uh, the leverage to study the Bible. So I, again, I want to do the heavy lifting, but put in a format that small groups could do it together. Families, because there's a student edition came out at the same time. So moms and dads could do it with their kids. And I just think if we can look at four things of Jesus, the person, the preaching, the power and the passion. I think like the book can't take you to Jesus, but it can point you to the way. 
And I, I chose the word quest because it really is a relentless pursuit of Jesus and trying to find him, trying to find the real Jesus. And the cool thing is he wants to be found. Yeah. I love, I love a buddy of mine, David Mitchell. He, he, uh, kind of oversees the Patterson Center, which is just an amazing, like, uh, leadership strategy, like life plan. Um, mm. they do a ton of strat ops for corporations and churches. But I remember talking with David once and he said, Steve, it, behind every question is a quest. And I wow. love that, right? Because you wow. know this. Who is this man? There's a quest. Those disciples who have now seen him calm the storm, like you described, are now going, who is he really? Right. Like who, who's, who, is, who is this person really? Who, like, they're hearing his preaching differently. What's this preaching all about? Like this quest to almost like make sense of the one who can calm creation. The, the mm. one who has passion and purpose, the one who just in, in any situation can really showcase what God is up to, what God is stirring. And, I, and again, I think in this book, you do such a beautiful job of making this so um, applicable and accessible. I mean, like, like you said, small groups, the student sex, the student Bible or the student um, quest 52 that came out. Like I, I've ordered it. I haven't received it yet. I'm super pumped about that for my son. But like, I think even from preaching, like even the way it's organized, I feel like, gosh, there is, if you have a midweek service, this could be a year with Jesus. This could be, right. you know, it's powerful. Right. So it used to be you know, years ago, we did quarter quarterly things. And so that was thir there's 13 weeks, four quarters in a year, 13 weeks each. I kept that kind of format, but then I divided each of the quarters into, uh, into, uh, a four, four, five. So there's, if you wanted to do it, preach through this, there's a four week series, then a four week series, then a five week series. To me, I, honestly, what preaches it gets people's heart is the passion of Jesus. What I'm most excited about is the person of Jesus because I'm asking questions. So one of my graduate degrees was in education. So I'm, tr I'm trying to infuse just some good strategy here with group questions and um, taking people through not only, not only the, the essay itself, but also then comparative verses from the Old Testament, comparative verses from the New Testament. So you, you have some hooks to hang ideas on. So there's an education piece, but there's also a sociological piece, because I did some studies in that as well. And for example, people ask, did Jesus know he was God when he was a kid? Well, there's only one passage that talks about Jesus at age 12. At least in the Bible, there's, uh, there's apocryphal stories, pseudepigraphal stories. But in that story, it's, it's interesting. Jesus, in the story, the first red letters of the Bible said, did you not know that I had to be about my father's business? That is a nuclear bomb because no one called God father. So God is, God is called father 276 times in the whole Bible, only three times in the Old Testament. And he's not called like my dad. He's called father of the nation, like a George Washington. It was only Jesus who had the chutzpah to call God his personal father. And he did it all the time, even in the first red letters. And I find that like, a, what a precocious kid. 
yeah. at age yeah. 12 to have a, the, like, this is a world, it is, it, it changed all of religion because there's no other religion that views God as a personal father, none, unless they're imitating Christianity. And he did that at age 12. That's, that's a person I want to get to know better. Yeah. Oh, well, and, and he's there and all of the religious leaders are blown away by his questions and his interpretation. Like, yeah. like, you know, like you're sitting with a 12 year old who is, this is, this is coming from a, a well of insight, you know, and just like, gosh, like that, like, I love how you say that, how that just transformed because I think in the, in the Hebraic mindset, you know, Yahweh was a word you didn't say. If right. You say, if, if you said it, like, you know, hand over your head, pinky up in the air, more, God has more power in his pinky. Like you're, you're so nervous. And here's like Jesus just uttering this word father. Like he's. Oh, you mean dad? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Dad? Yes, exactly. Exactly. Okay. Talk me through because what I, what I love too is, and you just kind of reference it, the five days like in the week. You have like right. day one, you're taking them back to the Old Testament, Hebrew scriptures. Walk, walk us through what those days are. Cause I, again, you're, you're, you are drilling down an idea and then making it tangible and then really giving people opportunities to try this on and accumulate more insight about this concept. Yeah. So the, the format is day one, you read the essay. It's like six pages, bathroom reader. Day two, you're going to be looking at some Old Testament passages that reflect the same concept. So you get, it's kind of like looking at a picture in an art gallery. You, first you see the main figure, but then you see what's in the background. Then you notice the frame. That's the foreground. That's day three. You look at the new, how the New Testament takes this concept and really plays it out. So for example, you've got Jesus who is the shepherd in the gospels by revelation he's the warrior and so taking people on this journey with not only seeing the incarnate christ but the post incarnate christ in the epistles and in the church and this galactic christ of colossians day four then is built for community because if all you do is intake 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 but you don't export with the community you know, spiritual constipation is, it, it's a thing. Day five is a simple exercise. And you and I have talked about this before. In sermons, we give a challenge. For me, I evaluate my, ser my sermon challenge. Can it, can it be done by everyone listening? Can it be done in 30 minutes? And can it be done this week? Because if you don't apply it immediately, Boy, that's really dangerous. There's actually a, a chapter in Quest about why Jesus spoke in parables to deliberately conceal the revelation of God by those who only wanted to learn but didn't want to act. Yes. So it's, uh, so the design is in, you read it individually, the essay, then you look backwards, then you look forward, then you look around at other people in your circle, and then you look out to how you can apply it in a practical way with someone maybe in your family or at work or at school. It's, I mean, again, it, it, it just shows the way that your mind works around scholarship, but then also in preaching. I just love how intentional you are with this. Um, 
talk to us. I know you, you, you mentioned that your favorite one to, to really kind of chop up was who, uh, the person of Jesus, like who is yeah. this man? Talk about one of those stories that for you, one of the chapters that you were like, man, that week, that was just fun research and why? Yeah. So the one that comes to mind is when John the Baptist sends a delegation, he's been in prison for nine months. He says, Jesus, are you the one or should we look for someone else? And Jesus' response is actually a combined quotation from Jesus' favorite book of the Bible. And we actually can know this because of how much he dealt with this book. You want to know? You want to know? Yeah. Isaiah. Yeah. He quotes Isaiah 61 and Isaiah 35, and he combines the verses. And he says, go and tell John what you see and hear that the blind receive sight, the lame walk, the dead are raised to life. Here's what's interesting. In, in those descriptions of what they're seeing, there's one thing that is not in Isaiah 35. It's not in Isaiah 61. The dead will be raised to life. That's not in the Bible. Where it is, and this is like mind-blowing, it's in the Qumran scrolls. There's a passage in the Qumran scrolls where the Essenes quoted, this is unbelievable, Isaiah 35 and combined it with Isaiah 61 and the Essenes added in that the dead will be raised to life. So that wasn't original with Jesus. Here John is in prison on the Jordanian side of the Dead Sea looking straight across at the Qumran community and Jesus quoted from the Qumran community and said, John, I know where you are. I know what I'm up to. I know you think Messiah is supposed to release prisoners, and I will, I will. But the promise to you is not that I'll release a prisoner, is that I'll raise the dead. Yeah, you're going to die in there. How about that? But I'm going to raise you to life. If you can believe that, then you know who I am. Well, and and then like that that's just I mean, I've never heard that before. And I'm I love this. I mean, this is just so amazing. Uh and then what's his next line? Blessed is the one who does not fall away on account of me. Yeah. Like makes it so personal. Like I know that I'm not I have not met your expectations. Yeah. I know that you, you're you sent your crew to come ask me, am I the one to come or should I be expecting someone else? And I've just gave you a, the receipts of what I'm doing. And I've quoted in your community what you can see. But blessed is the one who does not fall away on account of me. I, and I then, just, yeah. So I'm geeking out right now because what you just did is so brilliant, Steve. You, you got into the heart and mind of John the Baptist and saw that Jesus saw John. But the next thing Jesus says right after blessed is you doesn't fall away from me is John is the greatest man ever born of a woman, and the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than him. Now, think about this logically. If John is the greatest, then he's greater than Moses. Yeah, sure. Greater than Abraham. Yeah, sure. Greater than King David. Yeah. That means that every Christian is greater than King David, greater than John the Baptist, greater than Abraham. And we balk at that because... And, and I've argued with Jesus about that. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. And Jesus is saying, no, your greatness doesn't come from your identity, come but on. your association. And John was greater because he was closer to Jesus than Abraham, Moses, and David. And because of the Holy Spirit in us, we're closer to Jesus than John ever was. 
And so now Jesus isn't just looking across 90 miles of desert to get to John. He's looking across 2,000 years of church history at you and at me and saying, why don't you believe who I really am? Because if you did, you would know who you are. So it's, yeah, the person of Jesus, it just keeps getting thicker and thicker for me. Okay, I got another question about this that I got to ask. But friends, you might just need to stop the podcast right now. Go to the show notes, click on the Amazon link, get this book as soon as you can, because I want you to have this to start 2022. I'm telling you what. I mean, yeah. And, and can I give insight. another reference, Steve? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Quest52.org has a ton of resources that are in addition to the book. Oh. There is a, a, like a six, seven minute teaching video for each chapter and the reason I did that is I know if you're doing this in a group, especially men, if they don't read the chapter, they don't come to group. But if you start with a video, they can cheat and catch up. So that's, that's why we offered that. So it's all, it's all, uh, free extra stuff on, on Quest 52. It's so good. Quest52.org. Okay. Now back to the conversation. Yeah. You, you just mentioned that Jesus says this about John the Baptist, but in that, in that passage, his disciples have already left. So he's like saying this thing about John the Baptist and the disciples who are going to go back and tell John the Baptist what Jesus said. They don't even hear him praising John. Huh, yeah, that's right. Isn't that fascinating? Like, like, but all these other people are watching this. Those disciples leave and he's like, hey, just real quick, I need you to know this. This is how great John the Baptist is. But mm. it's like, He's not, he's not trying to let, uh, J to the B, like, miss out on wrestling with the question. Like, you asked the question. Am I the one to come or should, should I be expecting someone, someone else? Like, I told you what I did. This is the one who does not fall away in account of me. I'm not going to let my affirmation of you, like, sway you. You have to wrestle with who is this man? Who is this man? You have to wrestle and go on this quest. And again, every chapter that I've just been in so far, I just feel like it's like it's 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 forcing me to go and it's stretching me. And I just go, gosh, this is uh like I've just like paused it because I'm like, no, I gotta I'm I'm gonna start week one, January, and I'm gonna do it again just because I wanna like go through it, just week one, week two, week three. Um Okay, give me another one, um, and and one that you would say uh, was the the hardest. Like it 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 maybe it just maybe you thought you knew, but it it like it forced you, scholar, pastor, preacher, Mark Moore, out mm-hmm. of your own comfort zone to go, man. If this is really Jesus, like, who this is this is this is this is conviction season for me. I actually fear Jesus. Now, I, I love him, don't get me wrong, but his expectations of his disciples are, un, they feel to me unrealistic. Okay. So, for example, um, well, we mentioned in the boat, and he, he rebukes them, why, why do you doubt? Or when he healed the nobleman's son in Cana, his son was in Capernaum and he said, come down, come down and heal my son. And Jesus goes, what? You have no faith. Here's a guy whose, whose child's about to die. And Jesus, you have no faith. 
That, like, that, that bothers me. Or the rich young ruler who Jesus says, go sell everything you have. I, I've wrestled with that. Is that something I should do? Now, I, I don't think that's for everybody. I think it's for rich people. And I am one. And so I just wonder what Jesus is going to say. I, I think, Steve, that sometimes we're really good at hearing Jesus clearly when he's talking about someone else. But when he's talking about me, and to be honest, because of my background, because of what God has offered me, he's gifted me scholarship and, and time in the word, I'm a Pharisee. Wow. And so when he, anytime he talks to the Pharisees, I just, I kind of feel sorry for him. Okay, so I'll, I'll tell you one that has really wrecked me. Luke 14, there's, Jesus tells, he goes to a banquet. It's in a Pharisee's house. And he insults like literally everybody in the house. There's a, there's a guy with dropsy there and Jesus heals him just to create a stir because it was on the Sabbath. And he insults the host and says, why, like, why, why did you invite all the rich and famous? Which everybody did. So that was like, that, there's no way for him to, like a fish doesn't know it's wet. He doesn't know that he's not, that he's supposed to reach out to other people. And Jesus just is pretty rough with him. And then the guests go, yeah, but what about us? And he goes, yeah, you, you too. You're sitting, you're trying to get chief seats at the, at the table. You're arguing for places to go up one or, or down another. And he gives this advice that we think is religious advice. It is not. It is absolutely brilliant social advice. Go into the room, go to the lowest seat. And Jesus explains why. Because if you go to the lowest seat, everyone's going to go, let's to the lowest seat. Like they know you could be higher, but you humbled yourself, which by the way, humility was only a compliment after Jesus. He changed the meaning of the vocabulary word. Wow. And, and then, and then he says, when the, when the master comes in and he sees you doing that, he will raise you beyond what you could have raised yourself. Now I'm not making that up. Go read it for yourself. And Steve, so if I, if I could just be transparent, I had a critique by one of the leaders at CCV who said, you, you tend to talk to people you think you can get something out of. He wasn't wrong. I wasn't completely right either, but he wasn't completely wrong. And it, it really bothered me. So I decided that I was going to start volunteering every week until I had volunteered in every area, serving communion, cleaning tables, emptying the trash. It was weird. like when I tried to empty the trash, uh, we, we have cafe and food services. Those that were paid to do that, they were racing to every trash can to get there before me because they were uncomfortable with me emptying the trash. And I realized we got a problem. I'd go out and help park cars in a parking lot. And what I noticed was the more I acted like a normal person, and I am, I, I, I don't deserve any special privileges, the more people actually elevated their opinion of me. Isn't it, isn't it crazy? Yeah, yeah. That, so I'm, I, honestly, I'm still wrestling with that, Steve, because my, it is not arrogance that drives me, it's insecurity. Mm. And I've come a long way. Yeah. But arrogance is just, insecurity and fine clothes. Yeah. And Jesus is not done with me in that area. Gosh. You know, 
and just I love doing these moments like in the middle of the podcast and just stopping and just going, hey, just a couple quick takeaways for me. The first one is to think about a 12-year-old Jesus changing the game and personalizing God as Father. And then two, to think about humility wasn't in the vocabulary until Mm -hmm. the way of Jesus. And just think about just those two, those two elements, a personal heavenly father and the power of humility, you know, and and we, we have these phrases and and like, you know, pride comes before the fall. You know what I mean? Like we, we, we have all this stuff, but it's also fascinating is that humility comes before the honor. And Peter writes about right. this, you know, and he's just humble right. yourself. And in and in God's right timing, he will lift you up. It's it's Philippians two. And it's like it's such a fascinating thing is that when you choose the pathway of humility, the kingdom and the way like socio like the way that you described it, it, it it's like God lifts you up. And yeah. and what's what's crazy is for pastors and I, and I challenge you all to do this. Um, you know, when I was at Willow, I did a very similar thing. Um, I tried to put myself in positions to be accessible to serve just because I wanted to get to know people. I wanted to get right. to see the heart. And the, but it was, it was wild um, in one sense, this, the stories that were connected. But the second, the second thing that was really like astonishing is what you just alluded to is people didn't know what to do with me actually leading by service, by right. servant leadership. Right. And there's no other leadership than servant leadership. Yeah. But like they didn't know how to actually make sense of that. Um, and I just think, I think if you're listening and you're, you're a younger leader, um, two things I would think you should do. Uh, I did this when I first started out. My first church I did. I went and I interviewed every staff person. I just interviewed mm-hmm. them. I took a picture of them. I made a book. I interviewed. I asked them all the same questions. And second thing is I, I started to volunteer because there was this sense that, man, my spiritual gifting was opening me, opening doors that my character wasn't ready right. or prepared for. Um, what would you say to younger leaders or more established leaders? What, what are other places that you would say, hey, um, and maybe maybe it comes in out of day five, some of those like challenges that like were really helpful for you going through quest fifty two. But like what are what are a couple of other ones that you would say, hey, this would be good kingdom assignments, good challenges for you? Yeah, well, I, I want to let me just jump off from yeah. the serving piece. Uh, Jesus was not humble according to an American definition of humility because we define humility as how you view yourself. Biblically, it's not how you view yourself, it's how you treat other people. So in the same time, Jesus would make these outrageous self-referential statements like, I'm the bread of life, eat my flesh and drink my blood or you have no life in me. I am the, I, I, I come to me and I will give you rest. He was not shy about identifying who he was, but it was his actions. His humility was in his verbs, in his actions not in his self-references. And I think for a lot of, uh, a lot of pastors, we will get in the pulpit and tell a self-deprecating story knowing that that will make us look humble. Man, I, I, honestly, I don't care how you look. I, I care how you treat people 
and and whether the people who really have access to you are the kind of people who had access to Jesus. So, uh, so a, a, a couple of things here. So some of the some of the essays that we, that we've reflected on the the father essay of, of Jesus identifying himself as father. Here is here is the lesson of Jesus about fatherhood. It comes out of Matthew six. Don't do your acts of righteousness in front of people to be seen by them. Truly pray only for the praise of your father. Give only for the praise of your father. Preach only for the praise of your father. It's hard, it's, it's hard to do. That's the challenge. At the same time, in the previous chapter, Matthew 5, he said, let your light shine before men. So I would say that you should serve humbly behind the scenes and publicly only. Like, here's an example. Pick up trash. Don't you ever walk by a piece of trash on your church property. That's your home. You, you pick it up. Don't ever do anything or, or don't, don't avoid doing something because you fear that someone will, like it'll be beneath your dignity. And I'll tell you who this is the problem with. It's not the senior pastor. It's the teaching pastor or the youth pastor who's trying to climb in recognition. And our fear is, man, if I take a lower seat, that's people are going to recognize, they're, they're going to think I belong there. Well, first of all, you do. We're all beggars at the foot of the cross. So I, I don't know. I, if I were to think more creatively, Steve, I could probably come up with more day five exercises, but uh, no, they're in the book. I, yeah, I, they, they are. Quest52.org. Go listen to some of these just amazing kind of video, videos that he's Mark's created. Um, okay, let, this, this is, again, just one of my favorite things with you. Um, I, I, I really challenge all of you who are listening is, is you know, have, have some people in your life that you can – chop it up with about scripture that just it's it is the iron sharpens iron uh mm -hmm. you know deep calls out to shallow his deep my shallow but we we call out to each other and um but like when you know what's amazing about that Matthew 6 passage that you quoted is the line that that hit me that's in the sermon on the mount multiple times when he's talking about prayer when he's talking about service when he's talking about giving and and acts of charity he says if you do it out of the wrong motivation, you have received your reward in full. Like you, you got what you wanted. You, yeah. got the, you got what you wanted to be seen as a bigger deal than you thought you were. And, and I see this on Instagram. Like I, I sometimes see like people who will like post something, but you know that they're just currying attention. And they got 77 likes. And Jesus is like, you received your reward in full. That's it. That's you received it. a reward in full. You know what I mean? And that that's like, for me, it's just wrecked me going, is this a reward in full? Or is there a greater reward of the formation of like becoming more like the transformation mm. of Christ in me, the spirits like sanctifying work in me. And that's, that's why I love like preaching so much, but not the preaching side, the, the prep and the study side, because it, 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 it like breaks you apart. It calls stuff out, and it has the power to put you back together. Why do you love scholarship so much? Why do you love studying the scriptures and reading and and just creating messages that are memorable? Why 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 is that process so? After so many years, I mean, you can get up and go, 
dude, I just studied you and Gellion and like, it's <laughs> verbs, man. It's verbs, not a noun. Like, wh- why? Tell me more. The, so it's because I'm good at it. Yeah. And I don't say that braggadociously any more than, you know, I've got blue eyes and I'm bald. And, you know, so God, <laughs> God decided to bless the world with a cranium like mine. It's not for something for me to brag about. It's this spiritual gift. Now, all of our spiritual gifts are deeply, deeply gratifying when, number one, we give them to God. And yet, even though we give them to him, he still lifts us up when we give them away. Huh. And so for me, it, for me, it's just fun. It's, I, I guess it's why a runner gets a runner's high. I had that once in my life. I will never get it again. I promise <laughs> you that. It's, it, but it's a runner's high for me because it's God gave me the gift to be able to do this. And now I get to share it with others. So it's, it's like when I see your face and you light up, it's just so something in my soul just warms. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a spiritual hug from the inside out. Yeah. Here's the danger. Every spiritual gift is also your greatest spiritual danger. And I almost talked earlier when you said what chapter really like wrecked you or made you fearful. It's the one on Matthew 13 where there's nine parables in a row. They're arranged in this incredibly artistic format. And right in the middle, they ask Jesus, why do you speak in parables? And he quotes Isaiah 6, so that seeing they will not see, hearing they will not hear. I know that if you know the word, know a scripture and do not obey it, you will become deaf to it. My fear is, that my joy is in sharing scripture because not only is it helpful for other people, but just to be honest, and I think that a lot of preachers are going to get this. When you share something and people's eyes light up, so does your soul. And that's good. That's not bad. All of us need affirmation. All of us need significance and recognition. God knows that. That's why the, the whole discussion of Matthew 6. But we, we have to be just as aware of the danger for us. And so I'm trying to think of a day five exercise that, that I would put into practice. Um, well, here's one. I am not on email for two days before I preach. I'm not on social media for two days after I preach. Because I don't need the distraction going in, and I don't need the affirmation going out. Wow. Wow. Man, <clears throat> that's, that's really, really good. You don't need the distraction going in. You don't need the affirmation going out. I, I, I think, um, I think for for so many like emerging voices um, in a world where Instagram and TikTok and Twitter and you know um, reposting like other people's love and affirmation, like um, and and you know, and I think part of it is like, well, I I want to. I want to spread the good work that our church is doing and I want to, and also I, I, the fact that this pro athlete was at church and put it on Instagram, I'd love for people to see that. Or I love the the fact that this person who is well known in our community said this, or this person who first time to church said this, like I, um, isn't it fascinating how much motivation is really at play in our in our conversations and connection with the Christ. And I feel like again, I feel like this yeah. is what Quest 52 
just the the few weeks that I've done so far really <clears throat> has just brought forth in me the the good motivation, the holy motivation, yeah. but also some of that stuff that I'm like, I don't know if I want people to know that, you know. And I love the exercise. Then day four, <laughs> go process that. Go process this. It's so good. Yeah. I, I wish I was good enough, Steve, to say my motivations are 100% pure. I, I'm not. I, I, I'm, I'm going on like trying to move from 82% God, like motivated by God's glory and, you know, 18% my glory. If I could get there, I would be happy. Yeah. And so, yeah, so for me, it's, it's uh, moving the needle of the percentages because I'm never going to be purely, uh, purely good intentioned. Yeah. And I just recognize that about myself. I'm, I'm a sinner, but the, you know, the good news is Jesus, and this is getting to know him. And I'm not sure a lot of people really know this about Jesus. He's enamored with you. Hmm. Like right, right now, right where you are, he knows everything about you and still is like he's nuts about you. So another day five exercise for me is, and I, I'm actually doing this. Um, I asked, I, I asked someone the other day to lunch. Because this is a person that I don't understand. And because I don't understand them, they irritate me. And so I'm just being obedient to the Holy Spirit to say, the reason that they irritate you is not because they're irritating, but because you don't know them. Like if you knew their story, so maybe this is a uh, defense mechanism for my own pride and arrogance, but I really try to sit down with people re- like weekly and hear their stories of what really motivates them. And there's some delightful, like some people I thought I would like, I didn't. Some people that I thought I didn't like, I did because I hear the story and I see what God's doing in their life. That's so beautiful. Okay, two more questions. One, um, you mentioned the word delight and I love that. And oftentimes like you've got a great smile. Every time I'm with you, there's, you're, you um, are a little bit like Red Bull in the flesh. Like there, there is, <laughs> there is, there is a, there is a high octane um, joy level and excitement level and energy level. I've heard, you know, um, you know, like the 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 important leadership lesson is that we've got to encourage ourselves. You know, like yeah. in, in in time of, you know, um, replenishment and time with the Lord and Spirit. For so long, for so many moments of good, so many moments of painful stories that you've seen, so much heartbreak and grief and trauma that you've just pastored people through, so much like moments of baptism and high highs. How do you, how do you maintain that joy level on the regular? Yeah, I have a good marriage and I, I work at it. I would, I, I would like to say I have a great marriage. I don't. And it's more my, my fault than, than hers. But I have a good marriage. That's really sustaining for me. I've got four grandkids that live seven minutes from me. They couldn't care less <laughs> any accolades. They just love Papa. Yeah. So I try to make sure, and this is leading to a, a broader point, there was a season, Steve, where I, did, I, I, lo- I about lost my joy. Mm. And so I created what I call my happiness index where I literally identified six areas that give me joy. Influence, uh, s- learning, physical sensations, um, uh, leadership, and there, but there's a couple more. Under each of those, I said, so for physical sensations, what, what do I like? I, I, 
I roast my own coffee because I like good coffee. I, uh, I love Sunday afternoon naps. I, I like, you know, Yellowstone. Lord forgive me. <laughs> and so I just made a list of those things that bring me happiness and in a season where I wasn't happy. And I realized that half of the items I could control, half of I didn't. And I was spending time worrying about what I couldn't control instead of maximizing what I could. And what I discovered was anytime my happiness wanes in one area, it opens a lane for another area. And so, for example, my wife is an Enneagram six. That's the, the, the fear base. Well, she says she's cautious. She's fear. <laughs> I'm a three. So I need adrenaline. Yes. When I get adrenaline, I also pay the price on the other side with my wife. When I'm with my wife, I'm not, um, in, in study. So I, I literally have a sheet of paper where I check mark what I have control over, what I don't have control over, what's high right now, what's low right now. And I try to uh, fill in the gaps of areas where I know that I can control and build my happiness. So I've got a, I've got a wood shop in our third car garage. It's my happy place, man. Sawdust is man glitter. And I throw (laughs) pixie dust around every week. Uh, That might be the title of this podcast episode. It's not going to be, but it should be. Sawdust (laughs) is man glitter. Okay. Last question. Last question. Um, what's one area right now? I mean, you've been preaching many, many years, um, many decades. What's one area that you're like, okay, this is where I need to get better as a communicator in 2022. This is where I'm like one part yeah. of my game that I'm just working on and why and how. Pauses. Pauses. Okay. I, and I actually, I, I figured out why. Because of my young adult insecurity, my mother had a PhD. She's not a Christian. She's anti-Christian. And so I've always tried to live up to intellectual expectations of a non-believing mother. Wow. And so for me to be able to have a lot to say, which means I need to speak fast. When I hear myself speaking fast, my wife says, it's too fast, it's too fast, it's too fast. And what I'm hearing is, I have a lot to say. I have a lot to say. I'm smart. Please recognize me. Please love me. Please hug me. Please accept me. Pauses are space where God speaks. And I, I fear that I'm crowding him out because I want people to know that I have enough to say to fill a 30-minute slot. But when I do slow down, when I say less, God says more. So I'm, I'm trying to go from a one alligator pause to a three alligator pause. And yes, I am counting it. Yeah. How, how, okay. So, so real quick, you're, you're doing your notes. Is there, is there a pause hack, pause preaching hack that you have in your brain? Like, I know at this moment, I got to have a couple of these in a message. How, how do you, how do you do that? No, because I'm not Steve Carter. <laughs> I, I, I have not mastered that yet, but. Talk to me at, at the end of 2022, and uh, I'll be able to answer that question. Because uh, every year I work on on about two uh, kinds of improvement in speaking, and that's this is 2022. I mean, I will get better at pauses. So if you friends, have a hack for me, I, you need to tell me. Okay. <laughs> well, friends, I just I love this, and if you're 24 and you're just starting preaching, um, I want you to know, Mark, how old are you? 58. 58. 
and he's still wanting to get better. And like this is the beauty of the craft of communication is it can always, there's something we can always um, just keep learning and growing and becoming the fullest expression. But I love what Mark just named is oftentimes the areas at which we need to grow at are connected to some lie or some Mm -hmm. insecurity or some pain in our story that we don't even, in our subconscious, don't even know that we are trying to gain something. When you said from my non-religious mother, like, you know, non-believing mom, like I'm doing, but yet all of a sudden it's like, oh no, I don't, I don't need to do that. I can sit and rest and make space for the one who can speak God himself into the hearts of people. Mark Moore, thank you. I, I love you, my brother. I, I love you so much, man. I'm so grateful for you. We, we've been doing something new with um, how we close the podcast with a little bit of a benediction, a blessing. Mm. And I, I just, I, I kind of like, depending on the conversation, we'll just throw this out. And, you know, I never send questions out to any of the guests. It's always just free willing conversation. Um, but I, I, I thought maybe for, for people who are entering into 2022, and who want to go on this quest to know the person, know more about the preaching, uh, know more about the passion that Jesus just demonstrated and the purpose. Um, would you maybe just say a benediction, a blessing over the preachers, the listeners, mm. uh, uh, the pastors who are just, um, who probably need that? They know all the facts about Christ. Yeah, maybe just uh, more than ever need to be reminded of who this man truly is. My blessing for you would be that you would see Jesus most clearly in the face of the most vulnerable of your community. He's hiding among the poor, the ostracized, the angry, the addicted. He's wearing a mask waiting for you to meet him in the space that he's most comfortable in. May you find him there and may he surprise you with joy. Mark Moore, thank you. Thank you. Love you, man. And for everyone tuning in, thank you, thank you, thank you for your support of the Crafting Character Podcast. Hey, if you want to learn more about the cohorts that Mark was referencing and mentioning, go to theascentleader.org. Hey, and also, also go to quest52.org. Join me in reading this book this year. Let's make this book this year a, a, a year about chasing down the person, learning more about the preaching, discovering the passion and the purpose of our Lord, our Savior, the one true resurrected Christ. Much love, everyone. Grace and peace. And we'll see you in 2022. This episode was brought to you in part by United We Pray. United We Pray is a podcast devoted to praying and thinking about racial strife, especially between Christians. Come join us in praying for the unity of God's people.